Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Loving Theology. We're in the second in our series on motivation, uh, in a series that I titled Getting Motivated. And I want to talk about a feeling that I think holds us all back from motivation, something that can really rob us of our motivation, and that's feeling inadequate. I think it's a feeling that a lot of us can relate to. It's, It's the feeling that Moses had whenever he said, who am I that I would go to Pharaoh? When we're considering whether we should do something, whether we should work hard at it, the first question that often enters our mind is this will I be any good at it? To consider that question, we'll take a look at people who are the best at it and make the honest assessment that we'll never be as good as them. To make matters worse, and forgive my honesty here, there's a good chance that we're right. You see, before I started writing for Loving Theology, I looked at all the Christian speakers and writers who were incredibly gifted and successful, and I came to the very accurate conclusion that I would never be that good. And here's what's happening. Because of the way that we consider the question, we aren't just asking if we'll be any good at it, we're really asking if we'll be the best at it. We trick ourselves into thinking that we won't be any good at it because we know that we won't be the best at it. There's no more sure way to kill any motivation than this line of thinking. But what specifically is wrong with it? What's wrong with that way of thinking? Does the Bible give us a better way to think about it? had this idea in my mind, and and I suspect that I'm not alone, that because I wasn't going to be the best at something, I probably hadn't found what God was calling me to do. I felt like there was some niche calling out there for me, that, that God had uniquely gifted me to be the best at if I could just find it. While we might not all acknowledge it in these words, I think this thought affects all of us, making it difficult to feel confident in what God has called us to do. This line of thinking led me to a singular conclusion. Since I'm not going to be the best, I probably haven't found my calling, and I need to keep searching. God corrected me whenever I started thinking like that. He corrected me, and it might surprise you, for the pride that was in my heart that underlied this way of thinking. It's it's actually pretty uncomfortable to admit, but he showed me that my own delusions of grandeur were what were holding me back from embracing his calling because to be frank, his calling was just a bit more modest than what I had built up in my mind. When God first corrected me in this way of thinking, he brought me to the parable of the talents, which is found in Matthew 25. I'm gonna read a little bit out of it, starting at verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. See, in reading that story, our focus focus naturally goes to the servant who had five talents and to the servant who had just one. It's easy to forget about the servant who was given two talents, the one in the middle. But that is where God drew my attention whenever I was reading this. In fact, I think that a lot of believers, whether we like it or not, can identify with this guy. He saw that he hadn't been entrusted with the most talents. Further, because the parable tells us that the servant with five talents went immediately, he went at once to start trading with what he had been given, the one who had two talents probably realized that he would never catch up. So he had to decide what to do with the two talents that he was given. The servant with just two talents knew he hadn't been given what he needed to make five more talents like that first servant was going to do. 
If he had followed that example, trying his hardest, the other servants might have put him in his place. They'd all be too happy to point out that he wasn't as good as the guy who had five talents. Maybe he saw the servant with one talent digging behind him and was tempted to do the same. Okay, well, maybe that was, wasn't the best idea, and he knew that. But he could just simply invest the two talents at the bank so that they could earn interest. Uh, that was even suggested by the master a little bit later in this story in verse 27. That would probably be enough. After all, why put in all that effort, take all that risk trading it himself when he could never make five talents? If we're honest, I think that's the option that's most tempting for us. When we realize that we won't be the best, that we won't be as successful as others who have gone before us, this can make it hard to be willing to still go after it with all that we have. It's a lot easier to just open an account and leave the investing to the professionals at the bank. Let me maybe say that another way that might hit a little closer to home. It's a lot easier to just write a tithe check and leave the evangelism to the professionals at the church. Maybe even worse than the work that it takes to trade the talents is the risk that comes with it. In banking, the servants wouldn't have to worry about losing the money on the investment. But if he traded it on his own, some of those trades would inevitably not work out. Similarly, I think that it could be tempting to take this same do-no-harm approach to our Christianity. Because if we get into that conversation with our neighbor, we might not know what to say, or we might say the wrong thing and make things worse. But we weren't called to live a life of doing no harm. We are called to live a life of doing good. At some level, we all face this. It's a struggle that is more typically described as feeling inadequate. While we're often told that the cure to this struggle is a healthy dose of self-confidence so that we no longer feel inadequate, I'm suggesting that the solution that we all need is maybe a bit more subtle and uncomfortable than that. I think the solution that we need is a willingness to serve where we can, even if it's a smaller role than we had hoped for, with everything that we have to offer, even though we will likely never be the best at it. The answer to feelings of inadequacy isn't more self-confidence, it's more humility, because it takes humility to risk being humiliated. The servant who only had two talents stands out as a shining example for what we are called to do, to go all in, to put in everything that we have into living it out, to living out what the Bible calls us to do as Christians. We are called to embrace the work and to ignore the humiliation that inevitably comes with it, even though we know we will likely never be the best at it. But here's the good news. God doesn't evaluate the results of our work the same way that we would. Even though the servant with two talents didn't make as much as the servant with five, the response that they are given from the master is exactly the same word for word. Let me read it here, going back to Matthew 25, starting in verse 20. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The exact same encouragement, the exact same blessing. If you want to hear more about this joy and how we can experience it even on this side of eternity, check out our series on hope and the hope that we have in heaven. In fact, I think that it's this last truth that holds the secret to overcoming another struggle that we all face as we try to get motivated. While we've talked about feelings of inadequacy here, we still need to talk about the fear of failure, because both of these things keep motivation out of our reach, holding us back from taking action. 
The root of that fear comes from an incorrect understanding of how God sees us and how he evaluates our work. Next time, we're going to find the answer to that together in the scripture. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out as we continue this series on getting motivated. Thank you all for taking the time with us today, and I hope that this was helpful to you.